Welcome to The Sipping Point, where each week we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your host, Lori Forrester, the wine coach, and I've made it my mission in life to demystify wine one glass at a time. So expect a fresh and fun approach to the world of wine, spirits, food, and so much more. Well, this week I am super excited because we're going to talk to the infamous founder of Bonnie Dune Vineyard, Randall Graham. Randall's been an outspoken proponent of terroir, one of those fancy French words that we'll find out what that means, screw caps, biodynamic farming, and so much more. And while most wineries are looking to get bigger and bigger, he did something totally radical He got smaller, so we'll find out why. As I said, to help me start off the show for our Sips of the Week, where we also taste delicious things right here on air that you can go out and try as well, I have Randall Graham from Bonnie Dune Vineyard. Now, Randall, introducing you is not easy because you have done more than most wine professionals ever hope to. You kind of fell into the wine thing By working in a wine store and not even selling the wine, mopping the floors, (laughs) that is quite interesting. And I guess to take pity on you, they let you try these amazing wines because we all have our moment where wine kind of gets us and and gets into our blood. I guess it was for you when you worked at the wine store in Beverly Hills. Am I right? Indeed. I didn't mop floors for very long, I have to say. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) I wasn't very good at it. Um, I was... But I did stock shelves for quite a while, and I, they eventually made me a wine salesman and then a wine buyer. So all's well, all's well that ends well. Well, you are quite impressive. To talk about some of the awards you've gotten, in 1989, you were in, inducted, you have indicted, but inducted into the Who's Who of Cooking in America by Cook's Magazine. You also have been given the Wine and Spirits Professional of the Year by James Beard. Very, very impressive. And the Culinary Institute of America... My husband's a chef. That's where he trained. Also inducted you into the Vintners Hall of Fame. So from your start, just tasting these great wines back in the 50s to starting into the wine business in the 70s, you've done so much in building up Bonnie Dune Vineyard. But a few years ago, you did a radical thing. You you dune-sized. Correct. That's what you told me, not downsized. You dune-sized your winery because... I'm sure folks have heard of the brands that you dune-sized, Cardinal Zinn. And Big House. Big House, and then Pacific Rim. Correct, yes. You know, household names, for sure. And what drove you to that, and what's your focus today? Because that's what we want to hear about, what you're doing now. Sure, of course. Well, I <clears throat> it was maybe eight or nine years ago, I really concluded that I was not being particularly congruent with my own values. I really love wines expressive of place. I love biodynamic wines. I love wines that are soulful. And I found myself in a position of making a ginormous amount of wine, way more than I could ever possibly conceive of. And we were actually the 28th largest winery in the United States, which is pretty shocking, Um, on our way to getting even larger. And I realized this is just not, this was not the career that I wanted or the uh, business that I wanted uh, for any number of reasons. So... Um, I thought, you know, life, one's lifetime is quite short, so you might as well do exactly what you want to do if you can. So um, I love that. I sold off the large brands, and now I'm really attempting to do something really different, distinguished, distinctive. Um, there's so many wines. There's plenty of wine out there. There's more than enough wine, but there's, a, there's still always a shortage of really distinctive wines. And uh the the most the most wonderful wines the most necessary wines are the ones 
that are somehow expressive of place. The French call this vin de terroir. Mm-hmm. And these are the wines that matter. Right. So you had this amazing success financially. Well, I wouldn't Size-wise. call it an amazing success, but it was, it was it okay. Oh, come on. Yes. <laughs> Don't be humble. But what you really wanted to do is make the wine that you really believe in that you would want to drink. And so you sort of downsized to focus on that. And terroir, as you said, is when the grape, the wine expresses the place where it's grown, it's made. Yes. And that is the focus now of Bonnie Dune, correct? Indeed it is. Indeed it is. The, the French make an, a useful distinction between what they call wines of effort, vin de fort, and, and wines of place, wines of, uh, of wine of terroir. And it's really kind of a continuum where in one instance, the winemaker controls as many variables as he possibly can, from the irrigation to the yeast strain to all sorts of to the microbiology, to additives, to get a certain standardized quality in the wine. And this is what is done in the new world very successfully. Mm-hmm. In the old world, it's a different intention. It's really an intention to capture the qualities of the vintage and the qualities of the site. And the winemaker still has to work very, very hard and still doesn't is not a slouch. But most of the work is done in the vineyard itself to really bring out the, the potential of the wine. And the winemaking is a le- is much less interventionist, so there's not as much. Uh, you don't use, for example, cultured yeast. You use the indigenous yeast, right? That sort of thing. It wouldn't acidulate. Well, speaking of wine, we have things in our glasses here. So let's talk about not even wine. Let's talk about cider. You actually brought for us a taste first, a sparkling cider. Yes, that was a little bit of a subversive act, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's we just- like that. Yeah, um, we make cider, uh, go figure. Uh, really just, again, with the intention of doing something a little bit different from, from everyone else. This is a, a, a different cider. It's called Query, and the name uh, is kind of a bit of a play on words, of course. Pear cider is called Perry, so Quint cider, by extension, should be Query, mm. or maybe not. But this is, <laughs> but this, I like it. This is uh, a blend of pear, apple, and quince. And Delicious. It, it, thanks, thanks. And really uh, finishes, you have that fruit on the palate, but really nicely dry and refreshing. Not at all a sweet taste to it if, if you're looking for something super sweet. So if you think, oh, I don't like cider because it's too sweet, this is definitely not in that category. And beautiful label. Oh, all thanks. your labels are beautiful. And you actually have different artists for each label, some that you use over and over again. But labels have always been important to you, I see, from your work. And, of course, what's on the inside is what counts, people and wine. But (laughs) marketers know that the label makes a huge difference whether I go for that bottle if I don't know anything else. Correct. Right? Correct. And you drew this, I hear, you kind of sketched this out and then had the artist... Make it look look like your uh, cocktail napkin uh, sketch. Well, it was done in a cocktail <laughs> napkin, in fact. I love that. And, and the artist I work with, Chuck House, on this label um, is kind of subversive. I said, Chuck, you do it. No, 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 it's fine. You'll do it, Randall. We'll use your we'll use your illustration. So it's it's not exactly a what you would call a professional illustration, but it's um it's something. 
Great. It's beautiful. We'll take a picture and put it on the website, thewinecoach.com, so you can see it. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with Randall Graham from Bonnie Dune Vineyard. We're going to taste his Albarino. I'm a huge fan of that. And a proper claret. 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 Okay. We'll be right back. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach. We're back with a sipping point in Randall Graham of Bonnie Dune Vineyard. Now we're getting ready to try your Albarino, your dry white. But real quick, I was looking through your website and I saw the wonderful pictures of you as the jester, as Cardinal Zinn. Oh, various dear. costumes that you used oh, to dear. wear back in the day. Yes. And uh, I'm very curious about that because I have a passion of blending stand up comedy and wine tasting. Yes. It's a new thing I've been doing over the last year. And uh, I call myself the stand-up sommelier because I, I do both. Because I think humor brings wine down to a place where everyone can feel comfortable. And in your writings as well, you have a book, Been Dune So Long, and you can go to bendunesolong.com. And your writing is very satirical and humorous and and so intelligent. I'm not sure I'm even smart enough to read some of it because you tie it into literature and music and and so much. I think that's, uh, you know, makes wine come alive for a lot of different kinds of people. Sure. Well, it's basically just an attention getting device. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yes. Isn't it all? (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about your Albarino. Tell me a little bit about, I'm a huge fan of Spanish Albarino. What made you want to make an Albarino in the central coast of California? Well, actually, I was very privileged to consult in Rias Baixas a number of years ago. So I I got to spend a little time out there and really fell in love with... um, the wine, especially when consumed with seafood, that is a great, great combination. And we were growing Riesling in our vineyard in Soledad. It's complicated how I ended <laughs> up with a vineyard in Soledad right by the California Men's Correctional Facility, but I did. And uh, so we grew Riesling. Cheap Ries- labor. Cheap, well, yeah. Um, so I also had an adventure in Washington, uh, Riesling in Washington, and it, it, it occurred to me I didn't need two Riesling vineyards, one in California and one in Washington, although there's a nice symmetry there. But uh, Riesling did very well, and it was really kind of by intuition, I imagined that if Riesling did well on the site, then perhaps Albarino would do well. Mm. Um, because they, they too have very similar um, taste profiles, growing requirements. Actually, the grapes themselves look very similar. It's, it's quite, quite amazing. So it was really just a, 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 an imaginative leap, and it actually were, and also the soils are, are granitic in uh, Soledad. So uh, the, the, nice. the climate itself has nothing to do with Rias Baixas. It rains all the time in Rias Baixas, and it rains never again in the state <laughs> of California, unfortunately. But you do get this great citrus and some of that stone fruit, a.k.a. peach or apricot on the nose, and that mm-hmm. crisp acidity uh, that makes you want to eat. And perfectly, it sounds like seafood, salads, you know, sort of your lighter fare, but it's delicious. It really has some nice, I hear that minerality is your thing. It is my thing. (laughs) This with with crab cakes. Oh, and you're in the crab cake central. That has not eluded my attention. (laughs) (laughs) And even if you weren't going to drink a beer with... Baltimore crabs, you know, like newspapers down, throw down the crabs, not even into a cake. This could be a really great wine for that, too. This because, crab is, is yeah, perfect. Yeah. Good with that Old Bay. We put it on everything, French fries, anything Old Bay. We love it. Okay. Awesome. So sparkling cider. We have 
the query. We had the Bonnie Dude Vineyard Albarino, the spider, or the spider. I love that spider, sparkling cider. Spider is around sixteen dollars per bottle. Your Albarino is around twenty. They're available here in Baltimore at the Wine Source and also at Chesapeake Wine Company. But most of the country these days prefers red. I don't know if you know that the stats show. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that, but it could be. 60%, they say. Could I think be. it might be a little bit higher when I take some unprofessional surveys at events. But you have a red here that you're calling the proper claret. Correct. It is a Bordeaux blend, if you will, as far as most of the grapes. We have Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. Why are we calling it a proper claret? Well, just to be ironic, in fact, there's nothing particularly proper about it. And, um, an improper claret. An improper claret. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm attempting to evoke an older style of, of claret. Um, I'm an old-fashioned person in many respects, and I love the old style of Bordeaux. I fairly don't don't like so much the new style of Bordeaux. I don't like overripe wines particularly. I like wines that are elegant, lean, uh, racy, uh, chiseled, uh, lower in alcohol. I, I think those are just... Wines you can drink, mm. proper claret, in other words. So this is a blend of Cabernet, uh, Petit Verdot, Tanat. Uh, Tanat is actually a grape that used to be in Bordeaux in the 19th century. And then Syrah, which also occasionally showed up in the 19th century as uh, Bordeaux Hermitage. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's a little bit of a throwback. And of course, this is totally ironic because Bonnie Dune is officially a Cabernet-free zone. Uh, <laughs> we officially eschew Cabernet. Um, You're more of a Rhone Ranger. I'm, I'm definitely a Rhone Ranger. <laughs> and the funny, the goofy thing, I just went through a little charade when we released the wine, pretending that I had nothing to do with the wine. There was actually an imposter, this kind of doppelganger who was, who was producing the wine. I had, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, that's nice because, you know, then if anybody says anything about it, it's not yeah. your fault. It's, yeah, we but all can agree. <laughs> that we can all agree that we need Cabernet. <laughs> but I have to say, this is really perfectly balanced. It is uh, just a, a red that I would think that so many people would have an easy time falling in love with because it's got the fruit, it's got a little grip of the tannin, but it's all comes together to just lay on your palate in such a really fine way. So making it a proper claret. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Randall Graham of Bonnie Dune Vineyards. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. We're back with the Sipping Point and Randall Graham of Bonnie Dune Vineyard. Our wines here have screw caps. Correct. And you are a huge proponent, have been for many years on the screw cap back even when people would gasp if they saw it come to the table and you have a funny little video on your website about that so tell me and for everybody out there because some people still think when they see a cap that means el cheapo right you know the boons from strawberry hill i had at the drive-in back in high school um, <laughs> right it's not that way anymore i mean expensive wines everyday wines we're using the screw cap and why are you so supportive of that well, I'm supportive of it because I actually like the performance of the screw cap. I, I kind of got into it a little bit out of necessity. I I really, if you remember way back when, 15 years ago, the quality of the corks w- were dreadful, just absolutely abysmal, uh, or maybe 10% of the bottles were, were f- tragically flawed. Um, for a little while, we went with uh, synthetic closures, and um, those were actually 
in, in a sense, even worse than the, the corks. So I was really kind of at wit's end and when I, when I came to screw caps. And the problem with screw caps was that they technically were, were known to be a good closure. There was just a question of perception where the public, or the public didn't like them, or I should say wineries believed the public didn't like them. I'm mm-hmm. sure because of focus groups that they ran where they asked them, well, do you like screw cap? Do you prefer screw caps or not screw caps? Of course they didn't prefer screw caps. My experience has been, however, that people might have, might prefer corks, but are absolutely willing to tolerate screw caps. Mm-hmm. But more to the point, in my experience, screw caps seem to protect the integrity of the wine to a much greater extent. Um, the wine stays fresher. I truly, this is a misconception that many people have. If you want to hold a wine for aging, for long-term aging, you're much better off with a screw cap than with a cork. It's going to live probably 50% longer. Mm, that's good to know. It is. It's, it's counterintuitive. The argument seems to be like, yes. oh, we'll put the screw caps on the everyday cheap wines. You know, I mean, relative, even moderate price, $20 bottles. But if I'm going to invest in something for long term, 20 years, a, a cork is going to add to the aging process. People are b- believing in that still. And well, people believe all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. Great. So touching real on quickly, one more thing, because these wines are all delicious and all affordable. I love this price range. It's really where people are looking to be. That $20 and under seems to be the holy grail. And to find something great. And I love that this is from California and you're in that range because a lot of times when people ask me, it's hard, I'm hard pressed to find things in California in that range that I want to recommend. Correct. Like $40 and over, no problem. But that 20 and under is, you know, your, your big competitors are imported wines, really. You know, Spain, Italy, France, South America. Sure. Um, but these are delicious, and a lot of people want to drink uh, products from here in the U.S., so I really appreciate that. Biodynamic farming. Yes. I know biodynamics, I kind of describe it to consumers like organic on steroids, um, organic plus, but there's a sort of philosophical aspect to it. Absolutely, or, yes. I don't know if we would call it religious, but, you know. Spiritual. Spiritual. Maybe, yes. Very good. So tell us. How you employ biodynamics as a philosophy at your vineyards? Well, I wish I could say that all of our all the vineyards we we buy grapes from were farmed biodynamically. That's unfortunately not the case. And biodynamics itself is a very good way to farm, but it is not a necessary uh, guarantee that the wines are going to be good or or interesting. Um, but it is a, it is the way to go, in my opinion, if you if you can do it. It's it's similar to, to organic farming in the sense that you don't bring in uh, synthetic materials, uh, you don't bring in pesticides. So it's you're using natural materials, but what you're really the best analogy might be <clears throat> to think of it uh, in, as, uh, if you will, holistic medicine in mm-hmm. comparison to Western medicine. Okay. So it's more prophylactic. You're trying to essentially stimulate the adaptive mechanisms of the plant itself. To, to solve its own problems rather than be so interventionist. So you, oh, like you, you don't bring in large um, inputs, if you will, in the, in the farm. What you're trying to do is stimulate the plant to stimulate the particular process. So, for example, if you're not um, uh, getting enough nitrogen, you might add you know, one of what we call the, the biodynamic preparations, which will stimulate the assimil- assimilation of nitrogen. But it's the, all natural. Correct. Okay. 
Perfect. Well, that, and that's a great, the whole holistic medicine, that's the best analogy I've heard for that. Well, and then also the, the preps themselves, you can think of those as, as homeopathic preparations mm-hmm. where you're, you're, you're just kind of adding a small amount of material to the, to the uh, farm rather than just bringing in a large amount of, a large intervention. It's, it's really a very delicate, uh, uh, small intervention, which has a big effect. Great. Well, these wines are all delicious, and you're so interesting to talk to. I think we could spend all day debating some of these things. Um, but if folks want to check out more about you, join your wine club, see where you're going to be. I know that you're would just be a good idea. Doing great events. They uh, can go to your website, which is? BonnieDuneVineyard.com. And then I have a, another website called BenDuneSolong.com where, where, where there's an overdue blog um, Theoretically, ah. theoretically on a monthly basis, but it's yes. a little overdue. <laughs> it's hard to do. Well, thank you, Randall, so much for being on The Sipping Point. This has been amazing. My pleasure. All right, cheers. Cheers.